All right, people, here we go. No intro. I'll do it for you. Something else. How's it going? Let's get this thing off here. Getting a little crazy on a Wednesday. Hey, now, everybody. I know there's probably not going to be a lot of people in here because this isn't how we usually roll, right? Never do something live on a Wednesday, especially less than 24 hours after a fresh episode of Star Wars. So there's reasons I'm doing this. There's reasons young Nick isn't here with me, um, outside of the fact that he absolutely hated Ahsoka Episode 6 far, far away. Like, literally flamethrowing this thing left and right. It's absolutely hilarious. I've never seen passion from this man quite like we're getting about uh, his take on Thrawn in particular here so I know it's not the full crew but uh, the reason we're doing this if you didn't listen last night or you haven't caught up on the audio only on 278 is we are at least for the 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 next two weeks of Ahsoka so episode seven and eight we are going to shift the full show to Wednesday All right, we've caught enough flack over the years, people telling us, hey, you should be more popular. I bet it's because of your schedule. And I'm like, I bet it's not, but we're going to give it a go. So we're we're definitely, uh, at least for the next two weeks, so next Wednesday to cover episode seven and the following Wednesday to cover the finale, Nick and I will be here live breaking down the shits less than 24 hours later because I know that's what all of you want, right? You just got to get it. You got to get it fresh. You got to get it quick. You can't keep waiting until the next week. So, so that's kind of why I'm doing a stopgap show today to make sure we don't rob you of any episode six opinions. And Nick will be here in spirit. Like I said, we will be reading his discord posts and I will be reacting to them. Uh, so it's good to see we got my boys in here. One six shooter and bango. Um, they're, they're putting up some questions here, you know, uh, one six shooter. Um, I, I'm kind of like you on the, the Ezra seeing Sabine. Um, I, I don't know if they're like slow burning that thing. You know, they, in the first episode they're, they're leaning on, Oh, my sister, we're family. We all know anyone that watched star Wars rebels from season one to four knows that young Ezra has had a hard-on for Sabine for quite some time, okay? So, yeah, I, I agree. It was, oh, hey, you know, figured you'd be here. Uh, well, a lot of people, I don't think they're too keyed in on the, the timeline we're dealing with. You know, I was talking to our buddy over at Beyond the Dune Sea, Connor, today, and he showed me some comments on one of his clips. And, and there's literally someone that th- thinks Ahsoka is taking place after A New Hope. Did everyone hear me after A New Hope? All right, so let, let's at least work through some timeline stuff here because it's, it's really not that hard. It isn't. You just got to pay attention and, and read stuff and use the mushy, mushy thing in between your ears, all right? So Ezra and Thrawn have been exiled for at least, at least a decade, my friends. At least a decade, okay? How do I know that? Well, Ezra 
had the Pergils take them out into exile at least a year before the Battle of Yavin. We have to figure the original trilogy in a, in a timeline sense was at least three to five years. So we're, we're talking six years from the time they had the battle on Lothal and he sucked them out to the end of Return of the Jedi. We know for a fact that the Mandoverse takes place at least seven years post Return of the Jedi. So if Nick was here, he would do the fast math, but I'm pretty sure if I'd stick out all my toes, we're already at 16 years. Is everyone following along? I'm not 16. See, I am stupid. 13 years. With that knowledge, we know that Ahsoka is taking place concurrently with Mando Season 3, at least according to Natasha Lou Bordizzo. So, that's two years past the start of the Mandoverse, according to Jon Favreau. So where are we at, my friends? 15 years, at least. 10 to 15 years. After they've got sucked out before the Battle of Yavin. So yeah, they've been hanging out there for a long time. And you know, Ezra, he, he, he was kind of channeling his, his, his uh, Jedi Jesus look. He looked pretty good. Um, didn't look like he was roughing it too hardcore, but hey, he's out there with the Turtle Rock people chilling. So, yeah, now that we got the timeline figured out, hopefully everyone's okay. You know what I mean? And thank you, gentlemen, for giving me some prompts in here while I um, vamp. Yeah, we're all uh, Team Sabine hard on. There's no doubt about that. Um, how, about those, how about those great mothers, speaking of hard ons? I don't know if, if anyone watches this shit with captions. At the end of the episode when, you know, they're all like, yes, we're awesome, grand this, grand Admiral Thrawn. Their names go from great mothers to grandmothers. You know what I mean? I guess it's it's kind of the thing. If you got one guy that's grand, you might as you might as always all all of you be grand. What's that candy bar? A hundred grand? Why not? Pretty sure that's what Thron's been eating in uh, on Peridia because uh, he's looking a little tubby there. And it's only 15 year old of Thrawn. I had some people were like, oh yeah, he's at least in his 70s or 80s. I don't know shit about Thrawn from the books, so yay. <laughs> I had a good time this episode, uh, but we'll get there. So, all right. I think we got all the explainers out of the way. I'm really not trying to be here for two and a half hours like Nick and I would be. If I could do this under an hour, that'd be fantastic. Dude's still got to work out a little bit and try to eat before it's fasting time. So I, I'll, I guess I'll just go into my review like we would. And then, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll get into to Nick's critiques and I'll, I'll kind of bounce back and forth off of what he's saying, what I think, if he's wrong, if he's not. Uh, I mean, listen, we're, we're, we're having fun here. Everyone has their own opinion. But I have not seen young Nick get this passionate about Star Wars in a long time, maybe since when we started this when I was on my other podcast network. It is crazy. I mean, he was sending me slacks at 2, 3 in the morning. Like, what is this shit? Fuck! <laughs> I'm like, yeah, young Nick. Feel the hate. Let it flow through you. It's fun, right? It's fun to get animated and pumped up over fake science fiction stuff. Um, all right, so... Uh, if, if you happen to check out my review, it's out there on YouTube. I, I definitely was long-winded today, maybe a little slow, a bit embarrassed. Uh, but you can check out that video. That, that's got my, my deep thoughts. It's almost 18 ass minutes long. I go into some theories on, on Balin and what the hell he's getting into and some other things. Uh, but, but really, I mean, I'm, 
I, I was a bit taken aback on Nick's opinion of episode six. I, I'm not lying. Like, I, I formed my opinions last night. You can look in the early Discord if you came in and played. I was high on this episode. I'm still high on this episode. Uh, I, I guess I can buy into to some of Nick's Thrawn complaints because he's a bit more of an expert, knows the character a bit more through and through from the books. Uh, but I'm just a, a moving pictures idiot. So, quite frankly, if I just go through my quick hit notes on what I loved about this episode, <laughs> it's so diametrically opposed to my, my man. I mean, literally, my first bullet point for my review, Thrawn and Ezra are perfect castings, and they're competent. They, I, 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 I truly felt Thrawn, even with his little beer gut, dominated every scene. He felt like the Grand Admiral to me. Again, I don't know the, the intricacies of this dude from the books, and I don't give a fuck, okay? Especially the old ones, because guess what? They don't count for shit. You take those pages out and wipe your ass. It's Legends material. Canon one's great. I'll buy into it, sure. If they're canon, they're canon, but I'm still not going to read the shit. So for me... I, I truly felt Thrawn was Thrawn. I mean, obviously, you had the voice carryover from Rebels, so that was a nice one-to-one connection. Uh, I, I thought the look was there. I mean, so what? Who cares about the gut? But I really, I thought he was in complete control, knew what he was doing, was running his strategy, was running his tactics. Uh, you know, I thought he, I felt like he was in charge. I, I was like, shit, this guy shows up in a random galaxy, random planet, and somehow, over the past 10, 15 years, he's more or less become the boss. Now, I think some of that is, is, is tit for tat with, with the great mothers. Like, they clearly want to get the hell out of Dodge. But they, they almost feel subservient to him, in my opinion. Now, we'll read Nick's thoughts on that. He thinks I'm an idiot. And maybe he's right. But uh, every scene Thrawn was in, to me, he felt like he was in command. He knew what he was doing. Everything was going to plan. Outside of, obviously, hey, Sabine shouldn't have showed up. So that kind of breaks his plan. And then at the end, the Ahsoka stuff. Uh, but like I said, we will give Nick his time. Don't worry. Uh, so I, I, I fucking love Thrawn. I was like, sweet. Crossed over fine for me. He's got that intimidation factor. He feels like the Grand Admiral. Uh, Ezra, probably even more so. I mean, Iman Isfandi is fucking Ezra Bridger. It's stupid how perfectly cast this dude was. He sounds just like him. He emotes just like him. He moves just like him. He grooves just like him. He hugs just like him. Uh, absolutely fantastic. And, and the fact that Ezra would find himself lumped up helping native species, especially like borderline animal species, makes complete sense. I mean, that, that's who the guy is. Uh, so I, I, I loved all that shit. Freaking loved it. I, I, I honestly thought the episode was fantastic. And that's why when I logged into Slack today and saw Nick, I was like, holy shit, I wish we could do this show together. Because it would be fun. There would be some fireworks. I, I could see me almost getting upset at some of his opinions, but I digress. I won't. 
I, I do think he went a little hard, but hey, that, that's his take. Thrawn is his guy, so, so I get it. But even on like this, the scumbag sites of the internet, I was not getting the, the tone that Nick had for this episode. It, it, most people were generally positive about episode six. Uh, they felt like it, it was still feeling you know, fresh, but vintage Star Wars. It had those interconnected lore moments, you know, we're still paying on paying off on stuff from Rebels now, 10, 15 years later in their timeline, five years in, in the real world timeline. So I, I just, I completely dug the episode. I love the lore we got on the Night Sisters and the fact that they're truly from the uh, Peridia and uh, they are the, the Dathomirian race. And they were the first ones to tame the Pergil and take him into the other galaxy. So now I have questions like, why? Why did they want to leave? Why does it look like everyone's gone? Why do the Great Mothers want to get the fuck out of here? Like, literally, let's go. Let's load up all our dead. Get the hell out of here as fast as possible. But I go back to, why did they first leave Peridia? I'm, I'm thinking it's all related. I'm thinking... It, maybe they were trying to get out, warn other galaxies of whatever the fuck is festering on their planet, or to find another galaxy and essentially have a shield there just in case this power escapes the galaxy we are currently in in episode six. Uh, so I, I, I like learning all that type of stuff. That, that stuff is meaningful to me. It, 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 it could be used in, in future Star Wars stories. It could be used to explain stuff that has come before us here. So, um, yeah, like some of you in here, you're like me. And listen, we're not, we're not pooping on Nick. Everyone can have their own fucking opinion here on the Star Wars Time Show. I was just shocked. Because you all know, like if you listen to this show on a regular basis, Nick for the most part is fucking even Steven, right? There are times I wonder if he even gives a fuck about Star Wars. Now I know. He still does. And Jesus, do not fuck with his Thrawn. Don't do it. You will get burned. Uh, uh, no, one six shooter. He did know Ezra was alive. I don't know if you caught that. Well, one six shooters asking. Thrawn didn't know if Ezra was alive. I mean, he said we will give you our last known tracking locations for him. So, uh, it's like I said, when when I first saw that, I'm like, damn, he's just setting Sabine free. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's something Thrawn would do. Because he knows the best way to find this guy, because he hasn't been able to do it for so long, is to use his best friend, and in my opinion, his lady love, to draw him out. Um, now, Nick took umbrage with the other things. Well, then, you know, why send Balin and Shin? Well, Balin and Shin told Thrawn they were going to go after him. And then Thrawn learned that, you know, Balin isn't necessarily trustworthy because of his Jedi ties, and that's when he tells Morgan, like, hey... We're not sending any more divisions to help them because in the end, as long as you and me and our cargo gets the fuck out of here, who cares? And to me, that that feels like a Thrawn, right? That feels like the Star Wars Rebels guy that I was first introduced to the character because remember, I'm stupid. I don't read words and things. Words and things, no good, okay? I just go on the, on the movie boxes, <laughs> talking images, okay? I have a soft mind. And he just, he, he felt like he knew exactly what he was doing and he knew exactly what other people would do once he set that stuff in motion. 
Um, now, now, sure, there, there's going to be little outliers. I mean, listen, it is Star Wars. In the end, as bad as a bad guy can be, they're still going to fuck up, okay? They're, they're, they're still going to say, say something, do something that seems a bit silly to us as viewers in the real world, all right? It, it just, it, it is how it is. So, uh, did Thrawn completely fuck up by maybe not going himself? Sure, but he's got a plan, he's got a schedule, three rotations, they're getting the fuck out of there once all that cargo is loaded up. Um, so, so that would kind of my take on, on some of the, the Thrawn oddities here. Uh, but, but going down, I, you know, the, the Balin mystery that I, I did, this is why I love Star Wars. I eat that shit up. I mean, what, what, what is he doing? What is, what, what is this guy up to? He, he clearly is not here for Thrawn. We know that he was, he's established this. But he seems, now that he's here, he seems like he's getting even more, uh, I don't know, power hungry, crazed, even more committed to whatever, you know, global plan he has to solve the galaxy's problems. You know, he, he's sounding very similar to a Palpatine, to a Anakin Skywalker slash Vader at this point in time. Hey, I have an idea. I know about this power. I'm the only one that can fix it, right? So he's he's starting to go off off the deep end here a little bit. Um, it's um, it's um, he's he's so intriguing to me. Like, what is his end game? We'll we'll kind of get there in a little bit as I move through um from things. Yeah, one six, re rewatch the scene. I'm going to do it again tonight, but he knows he's a lie. He's like, he literally says, I will give you our last known coordinates from those that were tracking him. So uh, that, that's what I'm going off of. Um, yeah, here, I, we're just, I'm just responding to chats at this point in time. This is fun. Devin's saying here, the Night Sister said it reeked of Jedi. I wonder if she was sensing the good side of Balin and not Sabine. Yeah, you know, I kind of thought that too, but then when the things went right to Sabine, I, I think it was made a bit clear here. Um, but one six shooter, I, I'll, I'll, I'll double check, but I'm almost positive. And to me, if he says, we'll give you tr tracking coordinates, and can we ever trust what Thrawn is truly saying? For those of you that say he's a mastermind, I mean, maybe he's saying exactly what he wants her to hear, or us to hear for that matter, so... Don't shortchange him yet, people. Don't take the flamethrowers out yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, what else we got here? You, you digging the, the Balin stuff. I'll get into some of my theories on that coming down the road here. Um, but but I, I, like I said, I really feel like the Star Wars vibes train continued in this episode, especially with the, the no-T species, both the Turtle Rock people and what I'm calling our Samurai Tusken Raiders. It's just, I, I don't know, it, that, that Star Wars. You just fucking go to a planet, you run into random things that look like rocks. And, you know, Sabine's moments with them. It, that just, that feels like vintage wars to me, and I, I really dug that. And I'll be honest, while the planet definitely, if you just looked at the planet, you didn't know they came from another galaxy, you, you'd be like, oh yeah, sure, that, that's a Star Wars planet. But if you've been along for this journey through the first five episodes, you get there, you're wandering around, I just, I do feel like Peridia, and hopefully this, this overarching galaxy, not that I think we're going to get to see any of it, it does have a bit more of a sci-fi fantasy feel, okay? Um, you know, I, I would take arguments that, that Peridia had hints of, uh, 
Shit, where was Bo-Katan's planet? What, what was that one called? If anyone knows that, help me out in the chat here. Uh, you had some similarities there, especially with the castles and whatnot, temples, structures being built. But I did feel, especially when Sabine was out and about, and then Balin and Shin were out and about, checking out the, the, the former great witch kingdom of the Dathomiri, it, it, it did feel a bit fresh. It did kind of feel like a new galaxy. It, it had a little bit more fantasy if you will, to it, at least for me, especially with the little turtle guys. You know what I mean? It almost, how am I? This is a throwback, so you old fuckers will probably get this. It's only, there's, I don't know, maybe some labyrinth vibes in there with the turtle peoples, the, the, the hazy look, the dark green, the murkiness. So, uh, uh, you got it. One six shooter is stuck on this stuff. Um, Point being, Ezra should have been more than a few miles away. Sabine didn't struggle to find him. Well, if you listen to Ezra, he said they they constantly are on the move. So his little his little posse was always moving. And do we really know how many miles he was away? You remember there was many transitions and wipes. For all we know, Sabine could have been traveling for for half a day or two. So quick into ain't one six shooter. Oh, I love you, buddy. Um, and then, and then finally, last point on just like a general review here, this episode, then I'll rip through some of the the details, but I, I, once again, like episodes four and five, I really feel like this one showcased just how wonderful Star Wars is when it feels new, intriguing, but also very familiar because of all of, all of the content that came before. You know, all the connected tales of Star Wars, all the connected characters of Star Wars. This episode, episode six, was a, was a perfect culmination of a, of a lot of those threads in what makes Star Wars beautiful. And, and while it has persisted since 1977, uh, it's just, I don't know, it just, it, it, it had that vibe for me, not for Nick. Um... Yeah, everyone's got to remember, we were down to three episodes, like I told you yesterday. And again, by the way, let me toot my own horn. My fucking predictions were ace. I was like, we're going to get the Thrawn, Ezra. We have to. We only have three episodes left, so we can't fuck around. Like, if we, if, if this was a traditional 22-episode run, sure, let, let's extend things out. But we all got to remember, these things are eight fucking, eight episodes long. And for the most part, Star Wars, Star Wars Disney is 40 minutes or less. So not a lot of time. Listen, I, I, I'm with a lot of you. I, I, would, I would watch this shit for hours on end, but it is what it is. Um, but that, again, that's, I don't, that's not how I, I take in Star Wars. I'm just sitting there with my, my stupid eyes open like, ooh, <laughs> look at that. Look at the blue guy. Look at the aliens. Hey, look at Ezra. That, that's the stuff that... That catches me. Uh, the only the only wonk that kind of stuck with me sometimes was, uh, you know, um, Thrawn coming out uh, a little bit of his belly. But like we said, hey, he's aging a little bit. I'm not saying he's, I don't know, is, is he octogenarian yet? But you know, maybe getting up there. Uh, who knows? Maybe he was depressed for a few years, didn't feel like training. You know what I mean? All right. So... All right, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave one six shooter stuck on traveling in time of day. Uh, I just I don't think that stuff affects the narrative, at least for me. 
All right, so getting into some of my, we're going to do top moments here, I guess. Easter eggs start with the, how are the images lined up? Yeah, screw it. We'll go Easter eggs uh, or references like fucking Easter eggs are, are dead for this series at this point in time. Uh, but how about the, um, yeah, sorry, be mad. You're right. I want to know more about Enoch too. I, I do not think Enoch, by the way, was with Thrawn when they got there. I think this is someone that he's linked up with either in the galaxy or this dude was on Peridia. Um, we know who plays him. It's, it's, it's Wes, uh, the dude from um, that guy, the dude from Expanse. Uh, and the fact that he has such a different helmet with that, with that, it's almost like a Roman visage on it instead of your traditional trooper. He speaks a different language. I mean, listen, guys, there, there's some fucking dark magic going on here. And that's, I mean, the Thrawn pretty much cleared that out. He, he put it out there like, hey, ladies, I'm going to need your dark magic again. So I, I don't know. I'm, maybe Enoch is from the, the, the planet. Uh, now that we learned that the Dathomiri are from this planet, maybe he's a, a male night sister. So uh, could he be Zabrik? Uh, that kind of hurt wearing the helmet. Uh, but yeah, Enoch um, seems pretty cool. But again, if we if we look at what we got left in the series, and if we ever get a season two, because I've heard like the way season one ends, it pretty much warrants a second season. I don't know how much development time you can give to Enoch. You know what I mean? Um, he sadly could just be another rock. Looks cool as fuck. Seems like a badass, but in the end, we'll probably get popped by a good guy. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, one six shooter three days before he leaves. So yeah, but it's all right. I, I, I really don't, we're going to be on this planet until episode eight. I'm pretty sure the finale is going to be where we're, we're all, all the good guys are there. They're trying to get off with Thrawn and I, I, in my gut, they're going to fail. Okay. I, I think Thrawn gets out with the cargo and at least one or two of our heroes are, are left behind or sacrifice themselves to ensure that some heroes make it back too. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I got to quit looking at, at Trevor. He's, he's distracting me too much. Like he is off the fucking rails. Uh, uh, I love it. So uh, keeping with eggs. How about this? We get Hu Yang telling stories here. Uh, <laughs> one six year, you did not like the episode. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, start things off. Reference here. Hu Yang, again, kicking ass, taking names, standing out in an episode. We did get a little glimpse of our heroes riding in the whale. And, uh, you know, he gets the drop when he starts telling a little nighttime tale to Ahsoka. The, uh, you know, the long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That, that was a nice little touch. Uh, we got to see our our live action night sisters introduced to the great mothers. Uh, if you watch the Clone Wars, obviously you you remember Mother Talzine. That, that's kind of their hierarchy. And hey, live action, we finally got them. There it is, the Chimera in live action. Uh, I like the attention to detail. If you actually go back and look at Star Wars Rebels and sees where and you see where the Pergil latched onto the Chimera, that's exactly where the damage was so nice touch there by dave and crew uh, they must have a lot of fucking gold in this galaxy right or on peridia because uh, you know they, they they got all the 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 kintsugiri gold action on on the trooper armor there 
uh, chimera pretty much anything that needed replaced or refabricated is all this gold substance even morgan in our galaxy decked out the eye of scion and her craft in the gold so uh, the dathomiri are there there may be a, a bit pretentious here um so we had that. Obviously, we got our, our Thrawn in live action. We got our Ezra in live action. Look at him. He's looking so good. Iman for president. You know, he even, it is very, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say uh, Jesus. That's a bit more Moses to me, maybe. Uh, but, but a very religious looking Ezra here. Uh, you know, beard's looking good, curly hair, channeling his father a bit. Uh, the blue eyes, hey, I mean, I, you know they got to do it. He had those bright blues in, in the show, but it, it, that, that's probably the one thing that looked a little weird, those, those piercing blue eyes in, a, in a, like the contacts Iman was wearing, or wearing here. Uh, but that was all, all great stuff there. So, yay for, oh, I caught this this morning, wanted to add it to my list, but in one of the hanger shots when they're loading in those caskets, stasis pods whatever they are we can talk about those in a little bit if i can get everyone off some of the shit here but yeah here we go so if you're on the live stream here you can see there there's those imperial patrol transports we've seen from rebels and i actually think these popped up in mando season three i believe in episode three when they were coming after pershing anybody 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 all right yeah, good. You you guys fight in the chat. I like that. Keep yourselves busy. That's good. Uh, okay, so those are eggs references. We got Ezra, all that fun stuff. Getting into top moments here. Let me let me find them. All right, here we go. Sorry, people. One man show here. It's not going to be as smooth. You can fucking unfollow if you want. All right, so first top moment here. The death, death of Miri, Lord Dump. I already kind of went into that, so I'm not going to spend much more time on it. But I, it, it may play a role in what's to come. I mean, the fact that at one point in time, many, many centuries ago, before history was even recorded, the death of Miri learned how to ride the Pergil, and they were the first ones to cross over into the known galaxy. Why did they do that? Were they just explorers? Were they trying to seed something in other galaxies? Why did they only uh, inhabit Dathomir? Why didn't they try to spread across our known galaxy? Were they hiding from something? Were they running from something? Were they trying to protect other galaxies from something? That's all interesting shit to think about for me, and, and hopefully we get some um, uh, payoff here. So I dug that. Uh, the Balin and Shin, I mean, it's not even one particular top moment. How about how fucked up that pretty is where the whales go to die, by the way. That, that was pretty intense. I wonder if that will come into play as Ahsoka and the herd show up and Thrawn starts fucking, you know, nuking those poor bitches right out of right out of the uh, orbit. Uh, but but really, and this is a general top moment, but but I found anytime Balin and Shin were together in this episode to be fantastic. I'm talking just some good exposition getting a, f a few more insights into possibly what Balin is up to uh, so I'm going to go ahead and spend a bit a bit of time on some of my theories with with Balin and his talks with Shin starting with the first one right because what is he 
you know, she's kind of looking to him for guidance, obviously. She, she, she has been following him blindly, and that's very clear now, especially in the second scene when she's, like, almost caught off guard when he tells her, like, no, I'm not training you to be a Jedi. I'm training you to be something better. So it's almost like she doesn't even get what he is doing with her. But they're sitting there talking, and this is where he first discusses the beginning, and he feels like the beginning is here on Peridia. So... You know, I ask myself, what the beginning of what? Like the beginning of, of everything? The beginning of time? The beginning of the force? The beginning of force magic that the Night Sisters wield? I think it's something like, like that. I, I think when he refers to the beginning and he wants to destroy it, he wants to bring the cycle to an end, he feels whatever this power source is whatever this mystical aura is that is stirring he even said it's stirring on the planet he feels if he can tap into it tame it he can fix everything okay the beginning the beginning he wants to destroy the beginning the beginning of what all right there's there's theories out there that i put this could be the birthplace of the force and these people, when they traveled many centuries ago, they were seeding it around the galaxy. And he feels like he could potentially cut it off. That would get rid of the, the cycle of, of the Jedi rising, the good toppling it, and then vice versa, vice versa, rinse and repeat. I've, I've seen some people think, well, maybe it's a gate to the world between worlds and he's going to go back and prevent the creation of the order or go back and maybe take out Skywalker. I, I don't know about that. I mean, especially when he says the line, can you feel it stirring? He says something stirs here. To me, that's not necessarily a gate. It's more like a, a presence, a being, a force. Something stirs here. And he feels like if, if, if he can control it, take it out, whatever, he's going to break that cycle of good, Bad rises, good falls, good rises, bad falls, rinse and repeat. But you can tell, I really think it does have something to do with the force and those who use it, those who have created almost religions around it. Because if you, if you listen to what he said to Shin, if you saw some of his reactions when he was accused of being a Jedi... It's almost like he's, he's sick, sick to his stomach about the, the, the Jedi and what it became. Remember, he's like, yeah, I, I, I like the Jedi, but not, not what, what it became, not the institution, all the bullshit, all the rules. So it's like he wants to go out and either reform what Force users should be in, in his mind or just snuff it all out or become the ultimate power itself. And like I said... If you watch my, my, you know, the video, just unlimited power, just taking everyone out. Because at one point in time, in an early episode to Ahsoka, I think in episode four, he told her, like, listen, sometimes you must destroy to create. So he definitely wants to leverage whatever is on Peridia to completely wipe out everything that is known and start anew. Um... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I really hope it's not some of the legends shit. I, I've seen people with Abeloth and, and whatnot. Um, 
But yeah, it's it's very interesting because he he clearly he's always had his own end game, and now that he's almost there, it's like he's starting to unravel a little bit. Anyone else feel that? I mean, it. I I mean, quite frankly, the the second exchange where he's really starting to get like, oh, it's stirring, la 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 la. la. You could start to see even Shin is looking at him like, hey, hey, master, why the, why the fuck do we want to be here? This is a wasteland. The people that once ruled here are trying to leave as fast as possible. They've been waiting over a decade to get the hell out of here because whatever is here is not good. And these are people that have their own magic and they still want to get out of Dodge. I mean, the whole planet looks run down, destroyed. It does look like a graveyard. It's not just the, the ring of whale bones. It, the, the whole fucking planet seems dead. You know, so is this, is this being, is this force, is, is, is it consuming the planet? Um, it, it's, I don't know. It, it, I, I can't wait to see what this guy is up to, what his end game is. But even after last week, I started to let Nick get in my mind. And he was the one telling me, like, no, Balin might end up being the one that turns out being good. No way. No way. I think we are right back to my initial prediction before the season even began that Shin is going to be the one that turns. I really think once they landed here and she's seeing Balin get a little sketchy, not keeping his word after he yelled at her about keeping his word. Okay. Her not even realizing that she's not being trained as a Jedi. Her not fully understanding his plan and wondering, why the hell are we here? Why are we doing this? Why are we the only two that want to be here? I think ultimately she's going to realize like, oh shit, he's off the rails. I need to save my own ass. He fooled me this entire time. So I'm all the way, I've circled all the way back. I was strong with my prediction to start. I faltered, got weak in the knees. Almost flipped, well, I guess it did flip-flop, and now we're back to it. You know what I mean? So, um, we good to go there. I just, I, he's, something has changed with Balin now that he's here. And it is, I really think that whatever, it, it's clear now that the, the, the Great Mothers and Thrawn were for sure contacting Morgan. They said that straight up. But now it does seem like there has been a, a more nefarious force pulling at Balin. And it's more than likely going to blow up in his face. Because those who tend to want to seek to rule through ultimate power usually end up fa um, failing here. <sighs> All right. So that's that on, on Balin. Fantastic scenes there. I mean, just all around good quality content. Uh, we just put out a, a nice little piece from an episode or two ago. Nick bought this AI tool to cut up our podcast and do nice little clips. And it's my, my talk on Ray and Balin and how Balin's the man. So you can go check that out if you forget. I think I almost cried in it too. It was pretty awesome. Okay. So, um, yeah, other top moments. I love the Chimera arrival, especially the way they, they did that camera trick with Sabine trying to use a force again you're like oh yeah she i can hear it it's vibrating and then you're like oh no that's the homeboy showing up in his big ass star destroyer you know seeing enoch and, and their chance thrawn 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 
Thrawn. It's like that reminded me of what Return of the King. What was the guy's name? Grog, the 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 the, the, the general when they were storming Minas Tirith. Grog, Grog. I just, I mean, look, some of these visuals were fantastic. I just, you know, look at that guy. He, I mean, what other? He really does stand out. Even though Nick hates him, and we're still going to address Nick's hate. No other admiral was treated like this. You know, maybe Palpatine, but no other admiral. Um, yeah, one six shooter. <laughs> I like that one six shooter saying that docking is pretty suggestive when he's talking about how the Chimera's uh, docking bay literally gets fucked by the Night Sister Catacomb Tower. So yeah, uh, good one there, Trevor. I think touche. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that just that looked awesome. Love the chance, Enoch pimp. That that's a one six scale figure. I would take. I'd take a Thron even if he's chubby. I don't think they'll do the Great Mothers. I, I I would even take one of these bandaged up stormtroopers at this point. Uh, but really, his arrival was a a choice moment. Just shows up in style, hits the ground running, and, and literally, I, I don't know about you all, but everyone fucking snapped the fuck too when Thrawn showed up. Even Balin, like Balin's a Force user. Okay, I don't give a fuck how intelligent Thrawn is. You telling me right there in two seconds, Balin couldn't just fucking threw his lightsaber through his throat or fucking broke his neck. Even Balin seemed fearful of the guy, at least respectful. It's wild. And that's why once we get the next comments, I, it just, it's, I really think it's his love of the book, Thrawn, that, that has soiled him. Because to me, as soon as Thrawn shows up in this episode, everyone's like, yes, sir, sir, yes, sir, sir, yes, sir. So, but that's me. Like I said, I'm an idiot. Uh, but, but really, another top moment, another cheat. Any, any scene Thrawn was in, yeah, I'm that guy. I thought he was brilliant. I'm sorry, I really did. Little plot things aside, I, I just, I thought it was excellent. He just, Lars fucking killed it. Obviously, the voice, one-to-one carryover, that was, that was perfect. But the acting, the presence, the persona, it felt like Thrawn. To my dumbass. All right, not to you, Purus, as you're all letting me know at this point in time. Uh, and then an, uh, another top moment, like I said, it kind of reminded me of Leia and the Ewok, especially this shot right here if you're on the live stream, um, where, you know, she's kind of bent over. I just, I, that, that's the purity of Star Wars to me. When, when you, you're on a new planet, you meet a race, you don't speak the same dialogue, yet you, you can get some things figured out. You can work out a plan. You can find where your friend is. Uh, I, I just, to me, that is, that is like the pureness of the Star Wars franchise. And I really dug uh, the meeting of the, the notees. You know, they, they, they had some Ewok vibes. Uh, their, their dialect, I would say, leaned a little Jawa. Where the, um, where the samurai dudes, I don't know about the rest of you, but the, when they were fighting, man, they really had that Tuscan dialect. A lot of grunts and shit. Uh, so I do like the the new races we got here. Um, right, 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 right. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm I'm reading the chat here for those of you on the on the podcast only. Yeah, I think Bango's appreciate uh, taking it in a healthy route. He's saying I learned to compartmentalize my Thrawn love when he appeared in Rebels. Yeah, it's just, we all got to understand. I mean. These, this is short-form TV. We can't get deep into characters and whatnot and, and really see long games played out. 
things are going to get glossed over. They might look stupid now. Maybe they'll get fixed later. Now, listen, Nick has good points. We are going to get there. But hey, I'm Matt. I always talk first, right? We know how things fucking go on this show. Uh, And then my last top moment, a quick one here, of course, meeting Ezra. I, even though I appreciate it, I wasn't quite as emotional as I thought I would be. And that might go back to what one six shooter was saying. It was just like, okay, oh, hey, oh, hey, hi. I've been here for almost two decades, but I knew you'd be here. Let's let's start going. Let's pack up and get out of here. It did seem a bit quick and rushed, but that just all goes back to the timeline we're working on here in terms of quick episodes. Not many left, but it was good to see him. It, it did feel like a genuine bond between the the actors, and uh, I, I still ship these two. I'm sorry. I don't buy into the brother-sister shit, at least from Ezra's perspective. Sabine, sure. Ezra, he's he's always had chub number one for Sabine. Um, yeah, one six. Tuscans, a little a little better dressed Tuscans, right? Maybe uh, I I wouldn't say better organized, but a different type of of tribal Star Wars species for sure. Okay, I think we covered all the fun stuff. Some of the ha I've talked about here. Why is everyone so beholden loyal to Thrawn? I felt that way. Some Thrawn purists did not. Pretia, where whales go to die. Yep, yep, yep. Covered that. Everyone picked up the the troopers are now called night troopers. I, I think that's a pretty direct hint as to what type of beings may be underneath the armor. This comes from captions, by the way. I don't think it was spoken, but it's definitely night troopers. So just want to let everyone know. Uh, it was cool. We got the little callback, General Balin Skull. All right, Thrawn doesn't forget a damn thing when it comes to war history. And like I said, I, I did write down, Thrawn lets her go in hopes of finding Ezra as he would. I, I just I, f- I felt like that was a, a Thrawn move. Nick did not. Dogs are called howlers. We got that down to no T. Oh, how about this one? I don't know if anyone picked up on this. I, I kind of like this little lore nugget, even though it's a, a big nothing. But I like that we now have a classification for the feral Jedi. Boken Jedi. Luke Skywalker is a Boken Jedi. I like it, right? Luke is Boken. Grogu was on his way to, I guess, going back to being traditional. And he gave it up. So Luke's Boken, Ezra's Boken, Sabine is Boken. Who else we got? I guess depending on if Jason gets trained, he could be the next Boken Jedi or if he goes traditional. But I, I did dig that. That's the stupid shit that I guess I get caught up on versus all the other like time of day and amount of miles they went. I'm like, ooh, Boken Jedi. I like that. A new classification of Jedi. So thank you, Balin, once again. Um, I told everyone by the end, they were no longer great mothers in captions. They became the grandmothers. So I still feel like Thrawn's in control. And um, oh, let's spend some time on the... Hey, League, what's up? How's it going? Good to see you here. Let's spend some time on what they're loading. Maybe shoot the shit on that. Let me try to find a good shot real quick. Uh, but clearly, Thrawn cut a deal. All right, Nick Nick thinks Thrawn's being manipulated, but it was pretty clear he cut a deal with the great mothers like, hey, if, if you help me contact Morgan and, and get all this shit going, resurrect my forces more than likely, 
I will get you out of here once she gets here with our hyperspace ring. What's your payment? And in my mind, if we look at this stuff, if you're on the live stream here, those are fucking caskets, pods. I mean, literally, Morgan says, I've, I've been to the catacombs. It's going to take multiple rotations. Although, how would she be there if she didn't know how to get there? That doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, one six shooter, I do. I, I think it contains proper like not not uh known galaxy night sisters but true dathomirians not night sisters of dathomir but but literally the the pure race from their home planet uh they've either been dead for a long time and stasis for a long time and and yeah they want to get them out of there bring them back to the known galaxy either to save them and reseed dathomir which would be my thought because it's not like the night sisters ever wanted the conflict and and that's kind of their payment and that was the the nod from thron like hey you help me i'll help you get the rest of your kind back to the known galaxy away from whatever is fucking with you guys here cuz clearly you're the last fucking 3 <laughs> everyone else is dead let's go and you guys can do whatever you want in my opinion, it would make sense if they tried to resettle Dathomir after they were genocided in the Clone Wars. So yeah, 1-6 uh, Shooter, I, I do think they are maybe not currently reanimated, but in stasis or dead, and they will be reanimated once they make the jump to safety. I truly feel like they, they, they're such a urge to get out of here because they fear for what the fuck is stirring. Okay, unlike Balin, they want to run from the beginning. He is running headfirst towards it. Um, yeah, Devin is correct. Uh, we we actually we talked about this in episode three or whatever when Sabine was training with the with the Boken swords. Uh, that's how they were referenced there. But it is in the real world, Boken is the wooden training swords that um, some Japanese martial art forms use. Hey, you learn all sorts of good shit. On an impromptu Star Wars. I still got to work out tonight. What the fuck am I doing with my life? Work all day, Star Wars all night. I guess it's not that bad, right? Um, the, the witch, great witch kingdom of the Dathomiri. We got into that. So, okay, so I kind of covered all my thoughts. Let's, let's, let's dissect some of Nick's stuff and then we'll get the hell out of there. How, how's that sound, everybody? Let's have some fun. Uh, let me bring up the Discord. Uh, I'm just pulling up our spoiler talk from our Discord. If you ever want to join in the Discord with some like-minded fans of the Star Wars Time Show and Star Wars, we have um, an open... Yeah, one six years. The Zombie Night Sisters, no doubt. Um, they are freaks. And they're very hard to kill, even once reanimated. But uh, hey, anyways, if you want to join the Discord, Star Wars Time Show Discord, that is, we've got an open link in our Instagram profile at Star Wars Time dot show. I hate that fucking handle. All right, so here we are. Let me pull up my Discord so I can read it. <laughs> it's so fun. So I'm starting at Nick's first post, and and as as you'll see here, he never does this. That that's why we're. We're going to kind of talk to it, bring it up, give him a voice since I've got to talk for the past 54 minutes here. Uh, but here he goes. I'm going to read what he wrote verbatim. This is his first salvo into our discord to begin the flame throwing of episode six of Ahsoka. I don't post here often, but we won't be doing a full recap of this episode next week. So I will pace what I told Matt here. 
it's not good. Thrawn was James Bond villain, mustache twirling level stupid. He is on the same planet as Ezra for nearly a decade and never even attempted to find him. The one enemy that has been able to foil him at every turn is one thing, but to let Sabine go knowing that Phoenix Squadron is the only entity to ever be able to stop his plans time and time again with the assumption that either Wastelanders would kill her or that two people that he doesn't know at all would just follow her and kill Ezra is the most unthron like shit I've ever seen written for the character. Okay, that's what he did. So let me let me talk about this stuff here. The James Bond villain mustache twirl novel stupid. I don't know. I disagree. Same planet as Ezra for nearly a decade. Listen, Thrawn, to me, why is he going to be worried about one dude when his ship, his fleet were nearly fucking destroyed? He's got to keep his own ass alive. He's got to somehow try to recalibrate his forces, his Star Destroyer, and get out of exile. So while, yeah, he might have thought of Ezra and was sending people to track him just in case, I don't really think tracking down one individual in a remote galaxy as you're exiled would be his number one focus. That's my opinion. Who cares? If Ezra got away... That's just one less headache Thrawn would have to deal with as he tries to rebuild his war machine, make deals with the Great Mother, and get home. Okay, so that's how I comment to that. And I honestly, like I just told you, the whole letting Sabine go, I felt like that was a Thrawn move. He gave her all her weapons, said, hey, here you go. You're probably going to get killed. This is where we last knew he was there. As one six-shooter said, he may, may or not be dead. he knows he's alive. He just can't fucking find him because Ezra's a force user. He's good in his own right, like Nick justly says right here. So, hey, I I know this will be the easiest way to to root him out, and here we go. But at this point in time, he doesn't give a fuck. He just got to get out of here. He's got three days to leave. Mission accomplished, all right? Exactly, B-Mad. Thrawn is locked in on getting out of Dodge. His plan has almost come to fruition. Think about it. Almost 15 years. Having someone across the void in another galaxy speaking to them, trying to get them to create the device you need to get home. He's been very busy, in my opinion. According to Nick, a Thrawn should be able to, I guess, handle more than just that. More than rebuilding himself, his forces, his ship, forging new alliances, figuring out plans to get out of there, so on and so forth. All right, so we'll continue on. Plus, now that he knows Sabine and Ezra are here, for him to be surprised that Ahsoka or anyone else from Phoenix would also be on their way is also just so fucking stupid. Real quick here, you gotta remember, Thrawn is getting all of his intel from the Night Sisters and their ability to read the Threads of Destiny. Or Fate, whatever the fuck they were called, okay? So, they have been telling him how everything is going to be playing out. So, when they tell him, hey... A Jedi is coming, that's when it's like, well, fuck. Okay? That, that's, again, how I took it. That's how I took it. Because they have been telling him, we have to imagine for the past 10, 15 years, this is what's happening. This is what the threads are telling us. This is how things are going to go. And things, for the most part, have gone exactly to what they've been telling him. 
All right. Maybe the threads of destiny. Maybe that's what Balin is after. Is that the power he seeks? Is that what he's going to use to change things? Is the thread of destiny just their way of saying the world between worlds? Hmm. Huh. This motherfucker's thinking now, huh? Ha. Huh. So there, that, that's, what, that's what I think about that line. He knows Phoenix is always working together to stop him, and they always do stop him. They wrote him like an oblivious idiot who has no idea what the characters he's working against are capable of. I think he fully does. I just don't think he cares. Just like he lost to Ezron Lothal, because he does think he's so fucking smart, sometimes he, he misses the smallest of things. That's just how I take it. That's how I read the... Um, that's how I read the character. Uh, he, specifically in this story, he is almost at the finish line. He doesn't care anymore. All right? Just keep telling me what the threads of destiny. Are we going to get out of here? All right? So, yeah, the Ahsoka stuff, sure. Um, but I did not feel like he was an oblivious idiot. Maybe, I think, if anything, he might be playing that just to lull everyone in. Maybe even the audience. All right, he continues on. Just bad and a disservice to the character, in my opinion. He also tells Morgan that he doesn't trust Balin because he was a former Jedi. So not only do you send someone you don't know to kill Ezra and Sabine, you also send someone who you openly don't trust. It's just stupid for the character. Now this I can address directly because Thrawn addresses it with Morgan. He's like, listen, I don't trust him. That's good for me because we can leave him to fucking die. Okay. To me, Thrawn was using everyone as chess pieces, and he still is. And they are disposable. They can be taken off the board. He doesn't care. He wants to get home. You know what I mean? Holy shit, Nick's in the chat. Go, Nick, go. Go, Nick, go. He's here. Nick, I'm, I'm, I'm reading him. I'm reading him for you, buddy. I'm reading him. Okay. And then, uh, if you're going to have a generic bad guy making generic bad guy stupid decisions, don't make it Thrawn. Save him for when someone who knows the character wants to write him. Okay. Uh, again, I, I do not know the deeper nuances of the character like young Nick would, so um, I just did not feel Thrawn was just some paper-thin schmo. Um, and that's why I wish my man was here right now yelling at me otherwise but i'm glad he i'm glad he showed up in here what do you say he doesn't care anymore is the antithesis <laughs> he doesn't care anymore is the antithesis of thron's character he is so meticulous about his plans but hey he's cheating he's using the threads of destiny maybe that's why he's getting a little soft in this new galaxy right he's not there you go he hasn't been comp completely relying on his own instincts like he used to how's that How's that, Nick? Um, all right. And then we got uh, some people in there. They're like, yeah, hey, we like Nick. It was great. Everyone was having fun. <laughs> and then Nick came in and everyone's like, oh, shit, Nick might be right. We don't like this episode. Um, and then Nick goes again. Here we go. It's just disappointing to have Thrawn introduced in live action in such a shitty way. Everyone who wasn't exposed to him, either through the books or even Rebels, now thinks he's just a buffoon who has lackeys do his work for him. Not me, but remember, I'm, I'm stupid. I'm the dumb one on the show. He even asked Morgan to just tell him everything about Ahsoka. Are you fucking kidding me? Ahsoka has been one of his primary adversaries for years, and you are telling me he just doesn't know anything about her, and aside from that, doesn't do his own research. I will give Nick this. 
Although I don't think, I think Ahsoka for the most part kind of tuned out of Rebels and really leading the fight with Phoenix by the time Thrawn showed up in season three. But yeah, you would you would figure a Thrawn, especially because he, as soon as he heard the name Balin Skull, was like, oh yeah, General, he probably read his file on the Clone Wars. You would think the name Ahsoka would ring true. Let's just pretend he was, he, he's looking for a, a catch-up, Nick. He's looking for, hey, yeah, but I only had intel on her when she was a teen. Once she went rogue, you know, there, there's nothing about her. So tell me about this Ahsoka now. What has she grown into? You know what I mean? Um, there's Nick said the lack of oxygen during the hyperspace jump killed half his brain. We always did speculate on the show. We wondered how did, how did he and Ezra make that when there was, there was no seal. You know what I mean? There, there was no, you know, the air was essentially uh, vacated. It, the, the cabin was depressurized. So there you go, Nick. That does it. That does it right there. Um, all right, we'll keep going. We will keep going. But I, I, yeah, Thrawn probably would know some stuff about Ahsoka. All right, so Nick continues on. The more you think about it, the worse it gets. Hell, he tells Sabine, when my starship leaves, you will be stranded on this planet. How did Thrawn find his way into the known galaxy and into the Empire? He snuck onto a star destroyer that was docked on an isolated planet. Okay, I'm, I'm reading in Nick's tone, all right? I'm not yelling at you people. Even if that doesn't happen with the heroes, are you telling me that the master tactician of the galaxy is going to just leave open the possibility that his primary enemies can get off this planet the exact same way he did in the past? Just brain dead level stupidity. I hope that this is all a smokescreen and they don't really play him like a complete idiot. Well, Nick, like the Jedi Order had in episode four, you should have a new hope. Because uh, I, I think all of this is going to play into it. I think he's going to get more than just, we know he's going to win because he has to. I think it's going to be an earned win and one that makes us sad. You know what I mean? Uh, you know what I mean? Well, hey, be mad. If he made a force bubble, they're just making that up because they don't show it in the fucking episode. So I, I got you. But yeah, sure. Again, we're talking about fucking fake stuff, people. So it's okay. Well, I'm not going to get too focused on that shit. All right. So, um, continuing on with Nick's evisceration of live-action Thrawn. Maybe they had a scab writer to take over writing Thrawn just to see how bad their shows would be once the strike came. <laughs> and then he's just ready. He's like, all right, now he's just going. He's like, I don't give a shit about Balin. The issue is his complete ineptitude with the heroes. Balin dies as a character. Who gives a shit? The issue is that Balin is his trump card to kill Sabine and Ezra. Laughably bad. <laughs> this is so much fun, Nick. Okay, then he goes, we will see what the rest of this season holds. But this was about as bad as his intro could be without him slipping on a banana peel and falling off the tower. I'm honestly waiting for Nick to do a guest spot on Star Wars Theory this week. <laughs> Oh, I love him. It's great, though. Like I said, I ain't going to question his opinions. I just did not. I did not anticipate this reaction from young Nick at all. At all. I mean, there's sometimes you, you guys were on the show. There's sometimes it's like you almost want to smack him around a little bit. Like, come on, Nick. Wake up. Get into it. But shit, he was shot out of a cannon today. That's why I miss him not being here. But I love it. I love the passion. Yes. 
Um, <laughs> it's just disappointing. The whole idea of Thrawn is that he isn't another idiot villain. And even you as a reader are a step behind him. That, from what I've heard, is true. I don't even think it is a general audience issue because the general audience doesn't know him. You had the opportunity to introduce a new archetype of intelligent, calculated villain to the audience and chose not to. It's a bad writing decision, and I don't think it was spurred on by a wide appeal thing. I think the writers thought the Star Wars audience was too stupid to appreciate a hyper-intelligent villain. Just ultra-disappointing and really changes the whole tenor of how this whole arc could play out. Again... This is just the intro, but if this is how they choose to write him, it's trash all around. Uh, and, and listen, we, we all thought that he was done. No, he keeps going because I, I set him off. <laughs> it's not even that he, he's going to win. He has to, so he will. But all the ingenuity, resourcefulness, quick thinking, and luck that it usually takes to beat Thrawn is gone. He handed you a win on a silver platter. The best part about Rebels was watching how they were able to beat his very methodical plans. Gone now. We don't know yet. I guess what's going to constitute a win for the good guys? Is it just getting a few back into the known galaxy? Because uh, we know they're not fucking stopping them. Or what's the point of having a Mandoverse movie? You know what I'm, you know what I'm thinking? So um, I, I guess if, Nick, you're still here, what, what is the definition of a... Uh, a win if you're still around uh okay uh, we'll keep going here Th this is where i chimed in a little bit it's like you know i mean honestly to me i felt like thron was the king and <laughs> nick he got fired up again he's like a king he is begging the night sisters to use their magic again and they basically said yeah you can use it because we need you to use it to get what you want they're playing him like a fucking fiddle and it was obvious from the start I, I feel like it's either a it's a symbiotic relationship or, or he is he's in charge here. I really do. I'm sorry, Nick. And he comes back. The guy pops out of hyperspace in a ship that can get them off this planet, decides to use him for that exact purpose and help him build an army they can use to take over a galaxy. And he is in charge. I don't think it's a, 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 their army. I don't think the Night Sisters want to fight. They never did. They weren't wor warriors. They were protecting their planet. It seemed like they just kind of wanted to chill. So I, I really think the deal, and I don't think you were here earlier, Nick, but I, I, I think the deal is, listen, we want to get the remaining vestiges of our kind out of this fucking place because shit's going to hell. Take us back to the known galaxy. Just let us settle Dathomir again. And yeah, Thrawn, if you want to take over the galaxy, we'll be on Team Thrawn. Just don't blow us up. That, that's kind of how I take it. Um... Then Nick kind of closes off. Yeah, I don't know. We will see where this goes. But if it keeps up, the I don't, then I don't know. Just no respect for the intelligence of the audience watching the show and fans of the character. Um, and that, I think that's it. And then he gets into talking to some about the books. Uh, the treason book is really good and still makes it clear that his motivations and intentions are still his own while also working towards the advancement of the empire. But like you said, he was never an empire rah-rah guy and definitely not a completely generic mwahaha bad guy. That book basically ends where his stint in Rebels starts. I get what Dave is saying with the book shit. A fraction of Star Wars fans read them, so the info in there is used at his discretion. But for a character that has been part of Star Wars lore for decades and is a fan favorite to come out like this in live action is just such a letdown. The content is there. <sighs> okay. 
So there you go, my friends. There is uh, Nick's Nick's um, rebuttal. Um, and that's that. I think I think that's that. I need to, like I said, I gotta work my little fat ass out. Uh, that was fun. You know, I the, the the chat was fucking live tonight, my friends. So I, I think the Wednesday is the way to do it, right? Anybody give me a a yay or nay? I mean, the fucking comments were back and forth. Some good arguments in there. Young Nick popping in, busting some heads. I fucking dig it. So, you know, cheers, everybody. It was a good time. Had fun. Got this little stopgap episode in. So don't forget, next week, both the dudes, Matt and Young Nick, live Wednesday, more than likely 5 p. East, YouTube.com. So we're not going to be doing Tuesday next week. Going live Wednesday so we can do this shit just like we did this week. It was fun. I dig it. It was the right decision. Love you all. Thanks for helping me out, my friends in the chat. Don't forget, there's always time for Star Wars Time. Hit us up on StarWarsTime.net. Go check out our videos from today. I got Nick producing content now. So, you know, the, the fire has been relit under the young man. He dropped his first creation today, and it's already kicking the ass of all my videos. So it is a fucking win all around. Great Ahsoka week. I loved it. Nick hated it. But that's why you love us. That's why we love each other. We can coexist, right? See? We did it. He doesn't hate me. I don't hate him. I still think I'm right. He's wrong. But that's why it's a Star Wars time show. And I have the mic. He doesn't. So I can say whatever I want. Blah, 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 blah. All right, people. Love you all. May the Force be with you. And don't forget, if you listen to the Star Wars time show, that Force will be with you. Always. Always.